Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the show that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the insights keep on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto six years ago and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full time. This is the June 11th episode of Unconfirmed. This is the last episode of Unchained before the five-year anniversary next week. Thanks to everyone for listening to my shows these last five years. I really appreciate you all supporting me, and I am so grateful for what this fun side project has brought to my life. Tezos is smart money that's redefining what it means to hold and exchange value in a digitally connected world. Discover how people are reimagining the world around you on Tezos. The Crypto.com app pays you up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app with code LAURA. The link is in the description. Near is an open source platform that accelerates the development of decentralized applications, overcoming high fees and slow speeds with its fast, scalable, low-cost, and climate-neutral blockchain protocol. Learn more at near.org. Today's guest is Jeff Schulte, Chief Executive Officer of For Us All, a retirement investment platform for small businesses. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This week, your company made an announcement that will surely be interesting to my crypto audience. Tell us about your news. So we're very excited to uh, have announced that we've launched cryptocurrency into the 401k. Um, This is something that we've been working on for a while, and we're thrilled to finally have the word out. And so what does that mean for employees at companies who use for us all as a, as a 401k provider? Yeah. So let me, let me back up if it's okay and just start by just saying why we even did this in the first place. Um, over the last few years, there's been an absolute revolution in the financial services world. And we've seen institutional investors like Harvard, Brown, Yale, making use of cryptocurrency as part of their endowments. Um, 60% of all professional managers actually now say that cryptocurrency has a role to play in their portfolios. Average Americans mostly invest and get exposure to the, to the market through their 401ks, and nobody was making this available. So we have now um, brought cryptocurrency into the 401k. So here's how this will work. Employers that have our Forestall branded 401k, their employees will be able to log in. They'll have their traditional mutual fund options right there. There'll also be an option for cryptocurrency. And they'll be able to transfer part of their balance over to the cryptocurrency window where they can buy and sell uh, tokens, ETH, Bitcoin, up to 50 different uh, cryptocurrencies available through this through the window. They will also be able to set it up so that every time they contribute to the 401k, part of their portfolio, a part of that contribution will go directly into Bitcoin if that's the way they want to set it up. So we're really excited to to bring access to cryptocurrency into the 401k. And it's not just access. We've thought very carefully about how we uh, provide the guidance, education, and guardrails 
to help people make good, prudent use of cryptocurrency as part of their portfolios. And when you say that, what do you mean? Well, there's uh, educational content available. What is cryptocurrency? How does it fit into a portfolio? Common pitfalls to uh, avoid that's delivered via online and through webinars. Um, and then there's uh, guidance. We believe that as part of a diversified portfolio, it may be appropriate to have somewhere between zero and 5% in your uh, retirement portfolio allocated to cryptocurrency. And we'll help people figure out where they fit in that spectrum. Um, but there are also guardrails. And in this, I say, uh, I mean that there's a limit to how much we'll let you transfer over into the crypto window. Right now, that limit is at 5%. So people will be able to transfer up to 5% and be able to contribute on an ongoing basis up to 5%. And should the portfolios grow, as we expect they will, and the position exceeds 5%, there's proactive monitoring and alerts that goes out and encourages them to rebalance, lets them know that their crypto position has exceeded uh, what we think is a, a, a prudent threshold and that it might be a good time to rebalance into the traditional mutual funds. But it won't force them. So if it ends up as some of my listeners have told me where their crypto portfolio ends up being, you know, something like 90% of all their net worth, it won't kind of force that rebalancing. We're not forcing rebalancing. It is a self-directed uh, crypto window. So in the end, the individual will make the decision whether or not to to sell that position. Um, but we will, you know, cap how much they can put in there. And if it goes to ninety percent of their portfolio, well, we, we think that's an extremely aggressive position to take, and we would strongly encourage them to take some of those gains and rebalance them into their traditional funds. And what are the advantages to buying crypto in a 401k as opposed to just keeping it in a regular crypto account on an exchange or withdrawing and putting it in your own hardware wallet? Yeah, well, so there's a lot of real good reasons to do this in the 401k. And let's start with the people that are already investing in cryptocurrency. The obvious reason that people use 401ks in the first place is for the tax advantages. And many people don't realize this, but in a 401k, you can put in money on a pre-tax basis, which is what most people do. You can also put money in on a post-tax basis, a Roth contribution. So you pay your uh, taxes at the moment that you've earned the income. It goes into the 401k. You can then invest that into cryptocurrency, among other things. And at that point, you've already incurred the taxes. All of the gains are tax-free. Even at retirement, when you take that money out, it is tax-free. So it's a huge advantage to be able to um, reduce and mitigate your tax liability. And I think that that's not just on the taxes. What we've seen in, in the past when there was some periods of extreme volatility and a, uh, there was a uh, people would buy a position, see it go up, sell the position, roll that into something else. Let's say they sell Bitcoin, they put that into ETH. They've now incurred a big tax liability. If that ETH then goes down, they may sometimes have to sell at a loss to cover the tax liability that they had. So in a 401k, all of this goes away. The tax issue is solved. So that's one. But here's the second thing, and that is we believe, well, we know there's a ton of people that are what I will call crypto curious. And for them, the ability to use their 401k to dollar cost average in its small incremental ways, get help and guidance, not have to open up another account, not have to worry about keys, not have to think about which platform I should be with, simplifies this tremendously. So we think this is actually a huge step for bringing more and more people into uh, the crypto ecosystem. And just to ask about the Roth 401k, I, as far as I understand, I don't think that's a super popular option, but is that 
something that all the uh, small businesses that use for us all uh, can offer to their employees? Absolutely. Yep. So that's a standard part of all the 401k plans that we work with, because we do think actually it, it, it isn't as well utilized, I think, as it should be. Um, it makes a ton of sense. And when you're dealing with something like cryptocurrency, it, it's even more uh, important to consider. Now, we don't provide tax advice, um, but it does make a lot of sense for a lot of people. And, and, and we think that it's unfortunate that perhaps it's not more widely used. Yeah. And just to draw that out a little for people, if you qualify to have a Roth account, then at that time, it's because your income is below a certain threshold. And so one could imagine, you know, you would be in a lower tax bracket. And if the crypto assets were to go up in the same way that they had uh, the last few years, then of course, yes, the tax savings <laughs> by the time you withdraw the money would be tremendous. Phenomenal. Right. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, that's one of the things that um, prompted us to really explore this is we were talking to a lot of people in the crypto community that were doing incredibly uh, uh, difficult, trying to find ways to help mitigate some of their taxes. Um, and when we talked to them about maybe being able to do this in the 401k, the response was incredibly enthusiastic. Yeah, that makes sense. So up until this point, why haven't most Americans been able to invest in crypto assets through their 401ks or why have most 401ks not provided it? Well, so the 401k industry, uh, Laura, is notoriously slow moving. And um, so it's just, it's, it, I do believe it's inevitable. I think that we will see this more and more. Um, but there's really a combination of two things that you have to get comfortable with. There's regulations and then there's integrations. And, you know, on the regulation side, 401k world is governed by a body of laws called ERISA. It is a very specific set of rules that give a lot of people pause. We worked very, very carefully to make sure that we understood exactly how within that framework we could do this. And it's very clear that we can. And so we were able to solve that. But the second is that most 401k pro uh, providers simply don't have a cryptocurrency um, platform to work with. So what we had to do is we, we partnered with Coinbase. So we're using Coinbase for both custody as well as for transactions. We've integrated that into our 401k platform. And maybe one of the reasons we were able to do this um, so quickly is that we've been building integrations with 401k providers and platforms and payroll companies for the last several years. So we're not a traditional 401k company. We're a, a 401k tech company. Doing the integration was therefore very much in our, in our DNA. So bringing Coinbase in, integrating it with the 401k platform, we're able to provide something that nobody else is. All right. So in a moment, we're going to discuss other comparisons when it comes to retirement accounts. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Grow your crypto with Crypto.com Earn, which pays up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin and 14% interest on your stablecoins. When it's time to spend your crypto, nothing beats the Crypto.com Visa card, which pays you up to 8% back instantly and gives you 100% rebates for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 by using the code Laura. The link is in the description. Did you know nearly $338 million worth of NFTs were sent last year? And in 2021, that number is growing faster than ever. If you're looking to make your first NFT, check out NIR's fast, scalable, low-cost, open-source platform. NIR is investing 80 million NIR tokens in community-led projects over the course of five years, 
to power sustainable innovation through its ecosystem, with fundraising opportunities and support for DAOs and DAPs to engage fans and reach new audiences. Come learn why NEAR is the infrastructure for innovation at nea.org. Back to my conversation with Jeff Schulte. So there have been a few Bitcoin IRAs that have also come out in recent years. How is the Alt 401k different? So that's a great question. Um, I'd say that the, the, the Alt 401k is different from uh, self-directed IRAs for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's, it's two, maybe two or three primary things. A self-directed IRA is a great vehicle, um, but that's for an individual. And there are uh, limits to um, who's eligible and how much you can contribute to that. But mostly that's a great solution for a person that um, has the, the, is proactive to go out and find it and take advantage of it. The 401k allows you to contribute substantially more to it. It's available through your employer and therefore it's a lot easier and more accessible for most people. I say the other key thing is in the 401k world, um, we are providing institutional pricing. So the costs of what uh, you can, the cost of this through the 401k is substantially less than the self-directed IRAs that we've seen out there. So you can contribute more at a lower cost. And this is maybe the most key thing. With the 401k, you can do the ongoing contributions with every paycheck. And that's just not something that you can do as easily in a self-directed IRA. So we think those are some, some important differences, but I have tremendous respect for the folks that are also doing this in the self-directed IRA world and you know, hats off to them too. And so one thing that <laughs> listeners have heard me talk about is early on, I had been pitched a Bitcoin IRA and the fee on that was 15% of the assets that you transferred over. And <laughs> that, you know, really struck me as being outrageous, frankly. So what are the fees when it comes to the alt 401k? Yeah. So first of all, for the employer, there's no extra fee. For employees that choose to use it, um, there's a 1% uh, platform fee per year. So that's 8.3 8 basis points a month. And then there is a 50 basis points transaction fee. So we've worked really hard to try to keep the costs, we think, uh, very low and competitive. Um, and we think that that's part of the reason why doing this in a 401k makes sense, institutional pricing. And so who is this available to? Is it available only to employees at companies that use for, for us all as their 401k service provider? Today, yes. It's only available to companies that choose to hire for us all as their 401k provider. Um, we're thrilled to see so many people doing that. Um, you know, 60% of all the people we talk to have said that they want to have cryptocurrency as part of the 401k. Uh, but certainly we are looking at how we can expand that. And we have um, some exciting plans in the future that I'd love to come back and talk to you about some other time. But right now, the Alt 401k is, is the only place to get this. And so how many companies is that and how many employees does that cover? Uh, so today we reach over 70,000 employees across hundreds of different companies. And we'll be turning this on for our customers starting in July. We expect that we'll see broad adoption across all of them. When you went to create this, was it because you were seeing demand from those companies or was it just you were looking to service what you believe will be upcoming demand? It's really a combination of both. I mean, I'd say a really big part of this was just observing what's going on with professional and institutional investors. And I'd say that, you know, part of the reason it started the company in the first place was to give average Americans some of the same access and help that the professionals do. Uh, that's really why the company's been called for us all. It really came out of that ethos. So when you start just looking around at what's happening, 
And you recognize that people like the Yale endowment are putting well beyond, I mean, they're putting 50, 60, 70% into alternative investments. And then you look at what's going on in the 401k. Oh, and part of the reason they're doing that, Laura, is the, the pool of publicly traded companies, which is what the mutual funds are all invested in, has been shrinking over time. There's actually fewer publicly traded companies today than there were 10, 15 years ago. So you see the institutional investors, they're doing this. They're making good use of this for a good reason. That was one of the first clues. The second is we started talking to employers. And as I mentioned, 60% of all the employers we talked to said, I want to do this. And they want to do this for a whole host of reasons. Um, but we also started talking to the employees. And employees also said, I'm extremely interested. In fact, um, you look today, 49% of millennials are already using cryptocurrency. And they're asking us, why can't I do this in the 401k? It, frankly, it was everywhere. I mean, the real question is, why hasn't anybody done this before? So once we started seeing all of those pieces and it just, we just said, well, okay, you have to figure out how you do it with the regulations. You have to figure out the technology you got to put, but we could do all that because of who, what our background is. So um, it was really a combination all around. I expect that over time, the interest and demand for cryptocurrency will continue. I mean, this is, to me, we have crossed the Rubicon. It is absolutely um, irreversible. And there's going to be some, uh, I think, really um, key benefits to incorporating into the 401k. We're the first... We expect that this will become commonplace over a period of time. 401k industry doesn't move that fast. Um, as I'm sure you know, the saying goes, not your keys, not your coins. How is mm. the security for these crypto assets handled? So we are, um, there's no separate account that they're creating. And, and there's no keys that the folks have to keep track of. Um, it's all on the, uh, the Coinbase Prime platform. Um, assets are held in cold storage, except for those moments when they're being traded, in which case they're briefly uh, moved into a hot wallet. Um, so, you know, when we were looking at who the potential partners were, security was clearly one of the key things we had to evaluate and making sure that we could do this in a way that was both really simple, easy and convenient, but also extremely secure. It was critical. So you're starting with 50 cryptocurrencies on offer. How are you determining what to offer and how will you determine which new ones to add? That's a great question. So we're certainly not making everything available. That's, you know, not everything on Coinbase will be available. One of the roles that we play as a fiduciary to the 401k plan is to review and evaluate and monitor which tokens, cryptocurrencies will be available in the 401k. Um, we have an investment committee that has a process that they run to make that determination. And it really comes down to a combination of factors. In the end though, I would say uh, part of it is market cap weighted, part of it is coin utility. Things like Doge will not be available. Um, so we're clearly applying a screen and a subset. Um, and then we'll evaluate that on a quarterly basis and make determinations as to what to include going forward. And can you elaborate on that? Like why Doge? Because I was going to ask you if you were going to offer Doge. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a question that comes up a lot. Um, I mean, this would be a, a better question for some folks of our investment committee to answer. But, the, but when you look at Doge, I mean, this is a coin that clearly was created as a novelty. It's a meme. It's got entertainment value. Um, so it's not something that we think is appropriate. Now, what we're looking at is, you know, this developing a screen that that is uh, very sort of um, objective in nature, um, and when we when we when we apply that, certain like as I said, novelty tokens like Doge, they, they just don't make the cut, D despite how big that market cap might be today or how popular it is. There's a level of prudence that we have to exercise 
over 401k portfolios. And it, well, just out of curiosity, so <laughs> would you allow trading in something like GameStop or AMC or whatever the new, you, you know, when I, or I guess trading yeah, sure, isn't sure. even the word, but. No, no, I understand. Would, are we going to allow trading in GameStop and, and uh, AMC? And so any of these uh, sort of. Um, Meme stocks. Right. Th- no, we're, we're not doing that right now. Um, not through, well. That's not what we're, we're talking about. Really, this is, you know, the crypto, the alt window. When, and as, and I should elaborate the alt window. I call it that because it starts with cryptocurrency, but we do anticipate adding other types of alternative investments over time. Um, it is not, uh, we're not catering to every whim on the internet. Um, there's a, a, an appropriate use of cryptocurrency in the 401k world. Um, and the job of the investment committee is to make sure that we apply a screen that protects the employees as well. And so if a Bitcoin ETF and other ETFs representing other crypto assets came out, how would buying those differ from holding these assets directly in a 401k? And which do you expect would be more appealing to investors? So this this is a good question. Um, So a Bitcoin ETF or a cryptocurrency ETF, um, at some point, someone will get one of these things approved and, and it'll become an option. Um, but I think there's a couple of issues with what we've seen anyway. Um, the first is that m- many of the ones that like that you're even just mentioned focus on one, you know, it's truly a Bitcoin ETF. What we've seen is that there's a real interest in being able to hold a diversity of altcoins. Um, so we wanted to make sure that they had a choice. That's part of why we decided to work with Coinbase. The other is that what we've seen so far is some of these products um, do have an issue where they're trading at a discount to their NAV. And they're quite expensive. So we believe that that's a reason why in some cases these products are perhaps not the best option for employees at all. But I think really the key thing is it has to do with the fiduciary risk. And when you, the 401k that we're providing with a cryptocurrency window does not increase the fiduciary risk to the employers. When you choose to make an investment like an ETF uh, available in the 401k, that's a fundamentally different decision for the employer than choosing to make an alt window available. Making an alt window available is what's called a settler decision. It just means it's like an administrative decision. Making a mutual fund available, that's an actual fiduciary decision. And because of that, we think that most employers are going to prefer a solution where they're not taking that fiduciary position. Does that make sense? Interesting. Um, I don't know if I fully understand that distinction. I mean, one, they're both going to be available, but you're just saying by virtue of the fact that the ETF is focused on one crypto, is is that what the fiduciary decision is? No, what I'm saying is, I'm sorry, let me, let me attempt to say it slightly better. Choosing to make a mutual fund available in the 401k is a fiduciary decision. When you choose to make a fund part of the, the lineup, that's a fiduciary decision. Choosing to make a self-directed crypto window available is a totally oh, different type of decision. Exactly. And so by making this a self-directed window that the employees ultimately choose to use helps reduce the risk for the employers. Really, it's a different type of decision. And so that's one of the reasons why we think that this is the right approach for retirement plans. All right. So you've kind of hinted that you have deep have plans to go deeper with crypto. Can you give us a sneak preview of what those other crypto features might be? 
Well, what I will just say is, um, sure, there's two, there's, there's two things that I think we're very excited about. Today, what we're going live with provides education, guidance, and, and help for employees. We will be introducing a solution that we can actually manage it for them. So if people want exposure to crypto, but they don't want to make the decisions as to exactly which coins to buy, we will have a, a managed solution for them. And then, you know, I think what we really look at is there's really, it's about trying to provide access as broadly as possible. Um, today, we're very excited to make this available through the Forest All 401k. I think we'll be looking at how we can go beyond that um, and possibly being able to make this more broadly available um, without having to switch your 401k plan to us. All right, great. Well, I look forward to seeing your future news. Thank you so much for coming on Unconfirmed. Thank you very much for having me. Don't forget, next up is the weekly news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break. Tezos lets you easily exchange smart money throughout our digital world. A self-upgradable blockchain with a proven track record, Tezos seamlessly adopts tomorrow's innovations without network disruptions today. Because of this adaptability, engineers, conservationists, entrepreneurs, collectors, game developers, and artists from around the world are building, creating, and using Tezos every day. Discover how people are reimagining the world around you on Tezos. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. First headline, El Salvador adopts Bitcoin as legal tender. On Wednesday, El Salvador passed a bill that would make Bitcoin legal tender within the country. The decision comes only days after President Nayib Bukele announced his intention to send such a law to El Salvador's Congress via video message at the Miami Bitcoin Conference, and just hours after posting the proposed law on Twitter. The Bitcoin law regulates Bitcoin as unrestricted legal tender and makes El Salvador the first country to adopt cryptocurrency in such a manner. In addition, the new Bitcoin law would allow for tax contributions to be paid in Bitcoin, exchanges in Bitcoin without capital gains tax, prices to be expressed in Bitcoin but accounted for in USD. What's more, in Article 7, the bill mandates the acceptance of Bitcoin for goods and services, saying, quote, every economic agent must accept Bitcoin as payment when offered to him by whoever acquires a good or service. In Article 8, El Salvador effectively backs the risk of accepting Bitcoin as payment by offering its businesses instant convertibility of Bitcoin to USD if they wish. As Preston Byrne, a partner at Anderson Kill Law, pointed out on Twitter, El Salvador is dumping its dollars for Bitcoin by providing a means for merchants to accept BTC but receive USD from the state. While groundbreaking, the El Salvador's Bitcoin move did catch the attention of the International Monetary Fund. According to Reuters, an IMF spokesperson told reporters, quote, the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender raises a number of macroeconomic, financial, and legal issues that require very careful analysis. Next headline. BlockFi's valuation has skyrocketed 11x since last August. BlockFi, a crypto lending platform, is finalizing a Series E of around $500 million at a valuation of nearly $5 billion, as reported by The Information. The new financing will be led by Third Point Management and Hedo Sofia, along with participation from existing investors. BlockFi has seen its valuation grow exponentially this year. The latest funding is nearly a 70% increase in valuation from the lending platform's Series D in March, which raised $350 million at a $3 billion valuation. Just last August, BlockFi had been valued at $435 million. 
In other funding news, Ledger, a crypto wallet provider, raised $380 million at a valuation of $1.5 billion in a Series C led by 10T Holdings. According to the press release, Ledger currently secures 15% of the world's crypto assets. The new fundraising will allow them to expand its hardware solutions to DeFi and enterprise capabilities. Next headline. Federal officials recovered BTC from colonial pipeline attack. The Department of Justice announced Monday that they had seized 63.7 Bitcoin of the 75 Bitcoin that Colonial Pipeline had paid as a ransom to DarkSide, a hacking group. In May, the initial ransomware attack triggered a temporary shutdown and an East Coast gas shortage in multiple states in that region. The DOJ press release explained that, quote, by reviewing the Bitcoin public ledger, a law enforcement agent was able to track multiple Bitcoin transfers to a specific address for which the FBI had the private key or, quote, the rough equivalent of a password needed to, ex- to access assets accessible from the specific Bitcoin address. The wording from the DOJ instigated a round of rumors that the U.S. government had hacked DarkSide's Bitcoin wallet to recover the Bitcoin, a feat theoretically impossible without holding the private key or owning a quantum computer. Decrypt speculates that these rumors helped spark Bitcoin's 8% decline on Monday. While it's unclear how the Bitcoin was specifically recovered, it is likely that U.S. authorities were able to track the Bitcoin addresses and transactions to a specific identity or crypto custodian in the U.S. The attack on Colonial is just one example of what seems to be a trend in ransomware attacks fended off by Bitcoin payments. A Thursday Wall Street Journal article reports that JBS, a meatpacker, paid $11 million in Bitcoin last week to shield its plants from further disruption. Next headline. Bitcoin Miami was wild. Last weekend saw 10,000 plus Bitcoiners descend upon Miami to join in on the largest Bitcoin conference in history. Aaron Griffith of the New York Times penned my favorite description of Miami's vibe during last week's conference. Quote, for a few days, the city was a raging fireball of finance, technology, and joyful anarchy of unfathomable wealth, unfathomable wealth and desperate striving. There were certainly fun moments. For example, Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami's opening speech pitched Miami as the Bitcoin, blockchain, and mining capital of the world. Representative Warren Davidson described the Fed as Dogecoining the U.S. dollar, adding, there's a benefit to scarcity that the Dogecoiners don't apparently get, nor does the Fed. Speaking of fiat, cake wallets... Cake Wallet sponsored an entire dumpster with Venezuela's national currency, the Bolivares, in an inflation spectacle that many Bitcoiners decided to take a selfie with. However, Bitcoin 2021 was not all fun and internet money. There were a few contentious moments at the conference, usually centering on the topic of Bitcoin maximalism. For example, Max Kaiser yelled, Fuck Elon, we're not selling, before hugging MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor on stage. Eric Voorhees was booed for saying Bitcoin maximalism is bullshit after another speaker was cheered for saying Bitcoin toxicity is, quote, absolutely necessary. Floyd Mayweather was also booed after saying another crypto could someday be just as large as Bitcoin. Next headline. Solana raises $314 million. Solana Labs raised $314 million via a token sale led by A16Z and Polychain, ranking amongst the largest token sales for a blockchain protocol. The raise was suggested earlier this week by Decrypt, 
which reported that Solana was looking to raise anywhere between $300 million and $450 million. Solana Labs CEO Anatoly Yakovenko intends to scale the protocol, saying, quote, the next phase is onboarding a billion users. That number would undoubtedly make Solana a staunch competitor of Ethereum in the race to become the DeFi ecosystem. Solana is already known for its low fees and fast processing times. The blockchain says it can process up to 50,000 transactions per second, which dwarfs Ethereum's 13 transactions per second. Sam Bankman-Fried, CEO of FTX and Alameda Research, an investor in Solana, believes, quote, it's a blockchain that has the potential to support a DeFi ecosystem with world-scale activity. Next headline, Square looking to build wallet and mining solutions. As part of Square's Bitcoin Clean Energy Initiative, the financial services company will partner with Blockstream and invest $5 million to construct a solar-powered Bitcoin mining facility. Together, they plan to publicize details about the project's economics, along with the metrics associated with mining Bitcoin. According to the press release, the project is designed to, one, raise awareness that Bitcoin mining can be done using renewable energy, two, provide a proof of concept for a 100% renewable energy mine at a scale with operational cost and ROI transparently made open to the public. In related news, Square's CEO Jack Dorsey announced that Square is considering making a Bitcoin hardware wallet, with the designs being made entirely open source to the public. Among the key characteristics of a Square hardware wallet, Dorsey emphasized mobile access, finding the balance between simplicity versus security, and Layer 2 support. Next headline. Senator Elizabeth Warren speaks out against crypto. During a Wednesday Senate hearing on CBDCs, Senator Elizabeth Warren was very outspoken about, quote, the dangers that cryptocurrencies pose to the U.S. economy, citing cyber attacks, ripoffs, instability, and environmental concerns in proof-of-work systems. On Twitter, she wrote, cryptocurrencies promised to solve the problems in our banking system haven't come to pass, but Congress and federal regulators can't hide out and hope crypto will go away. It won't. It's time to confront these issues head on. However, she admitted to seeing the promise of a crypto solution, just one regulated by the U.S. government. She wrote, quote, digital currencies offer a lot of potential advantages over cash, but they need to be secure, stable, and accepted everywhere. A digital currency issued and backed by the Federal Reserve could provide the advantages of cryptocurrency without these risks. Ironically, she also mentioned that legitimate digital public money could help drive out bogus digital private money, which qualitatively is the same thing Bitcoiners say about the U.S. dollar. Next headline. This week in Bitcoin and China. Weibo, a Chinese microblogging platform, has suspended the accounts of more than two dozen crypto influencers. The suspension started at around 10 o'clock UTC on Saturday, with Weibo users reporting that as many as 25 accounts of crypto influencers or media outlets became inaccessible. The Qinghai province banned cryptocurrency mining on Wednesday, citing concerns over energy use. The block reports that major China-based pools saw hash rates drop between 11% and 30% on Wednesday, while two of the main non-Chinese pools remained steady. On Wednesday, China's Ministry of Public Security announced it had arrested roughly 1,100 individuals for laundering money through cryptocurrencies. The launderers allegedly charged between 1.5% to 5% to convert criminal proceeds to cryptocurrencies, though the total amount laundered was not provided. Time for fun bits. 
perhaps leveraging the current Bitcoin mania in El Salvador, by the way, this item is called volcanic mining. Perhaps leveraging the current Bitcoin mania in El Salvador, President Bukele wasted no time moving on to another Bitcoin topic, mining. Less than a day after securing Congress's approval for the Bitcoin law, Bukele has instructed LaGeo, a geothermal company in El Salvador, to allow Bitcoin miners to use the country's volcanic resources as a way to produce renewable mining power. Via Twitter, Bukele says that engineers are already making progress on the project as they have already, quote, dug a new well that will provide approximately 95 megawatts of 100% clean, zero emissions geothermal energy from all volcanoes and are, quote, starting to design a full Bitcoin mining hub around it. To sum up a crazy week, Lena Seichi, editor and managing, managing director at the BTC Times, tweeted, Saturday, reveals plans to make Bitcoin legal tender. Tuesday, makes Bitcoin legal tender. Also Tuesday, thinks of volcano-powered Bitcoin mining. Wednesday, starts working on volcano-powered Bitcoin mining. El Salvador is moving toward the Bitcoin standard at maximum speed. And to end the weekly recap with a recap, here is a full description of El Salvador's crazy week as tweeted by Lee Wallace UK. So yesterday, Tuesday, Nick Carter started a Twitter space out of boredom while making pork chops. A couple of hundred of us jumped in and talked about the Bitcoin law. Then Caitlin Long found out the law was being voted on in Congress live while we were talking. Then Juice F. Bukele entered the space, the brother of the El Salvador president, and chatted with us plebs. More Bitcoiners entered the space, including Jack. Nick joked about getting the president in the space. Plebs tweet at Nayib Bukele. Nayib Bukele enters the space. 22,000 plus people enter the space. Nick, A. Pompliano, Caitlin Long, Alex Gladstein, and others discuss the law and share ideas about Bitcoin adoption. Pomp asks Naive about mining Bitcoin in El Salvador. Naive suggests possible volcano mining options. Bitcoin law passes 66 of 84. Naive leaves the space, not before telling Nick he is the boss by presidential decree. <laughs> Nick allows Naive to leave and gets back to changing the life and get back to changing the lives of millions. Nick closes the space and goes to bed. I'm not sure if the pork shops got eaten. All right. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about Jeff and Forrest All's Alt 401k, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. And heads up, everyone. The Unchained newsletter has switched from a weekly news recap to a daily blog in order to keep up with the crazy pace of crypto news. Each morning, you'll get four to five quick headlines, a crypto meme or two, and a few recommended reads. Head over to unchainedpodcast.com and the sign up for the email newsletter is right on the homepage. You can also find the link in my Twitter bio. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Mark Murdoch, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening.